welcome to the Honest CP Podcast. We're the podcast for health professionals and the wider community looking to explore diversities in health, ask some hard questions, and have some honest conversations. My name is Archie. I'm an EP based on Cities on the Beaches, and joining me as always is Allied Health Business owner Andrew and Ryan, who aren't with me in the studio right now, but they're on part two of the podcast with Ryan Hebron. We're going to jump back in. Andrew's about to ask a question about a book because Ryan reads a shit ton of books. All right, let's jump in. <laughs> Ryan, you did say that you read Drive recently by Daniel Pink. Um, Great book. And I'm not expecting you to have some deep takeaways or quotes out of it. Um, uh, While you are a little uh, wine drunk, do you remember anything from the book? (laughs) Oh, wine drunk. Different to beer drunk. Yeah, it is. It's Mm. like a very soothing, Mm. almost spiritual feeling. Um, (laughs) You should light a candle or something. Yeah. Turn the lights off. I'll put the incense on the table. 4.30 on a Friday is definitely candle right. o'clock. The incense is now on top of the audio interface to present or represent the vibe. It's a good vibe. Yeah. Um, ooh, what, what was the question? Drive. I would, I mean, Andrew could probably give me a way better answer. Um, I think the key takeaways, which were just resonated so much with me um was that the difference between when extrinsic motivation and rewards is is relevant and useful and when intrinsic motivation um is so my understanding was basically rewards teach you to want rewards so if you've got a dry maybe like a a very like monotonous job then like you know extrinsic motivators are great um but when the when the reward is the work which for me definitely Mm. is exercise physiology Mm. working with clients then you don't need extrinsic motivation you need to have that like awareness that hey i really like this job this is very fulfilling um it's not always fun, but it's definitely fulfilling. Mm. Um, solving problems, meaningful relationships, just the perfect mix for me. Mm. Um, yeah, that's when like you, you, you need to find people that are intrinsically motivated. You can't just expect... And you guys talked about it in a recent podcast about like people expecting bonuses. Um, like, I don't know what the end goal for that is, but like... If that's why they're here, that's not going to... Um, yeah. I, I can't remember exactly what you were talking about, but yeah, no. it was something to do with like pay system rewards and why that is an extrinsic motivator mm. Um, mm. as opposed to working towards mastery. Like that, mm. that's what you want it's in someone. That's a very good point. I, I like what you said about that the reward being the work. Mm. Um that's that's really insightful, and I and I haven't thought about it that way. But you're so right that the the, <coughs> the motivation is the work um, as a healthcare professional, and it should be. Um, and if that isn't your personality type, you probably don't have. You're probably not going to have a lot of long. Oh, uh, you're probably not going to have a lot of longevity in the uh, hey. <laughs> in the career. That there was it is. totally not on purpose. Well done. <laughs> all right, roll credits. And <laughs> <laughs> this was all a game yeah. for me. Right. Oh, like you no, say no, it. No, no, no. <laughs> we say longevity. Uh, Jared wins. 
<laughs> you're like, what's that thing when you you bounce it off the backboard you know, and you catch it yeah. rebound hell? You know, you know, you know Bill Russell. He was uh, the NBA's best. Uh, what was it? Uh, what rebound, was it? rebound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, that was so good. Yeah, it, it's interesting when you talk about bonuses in healthcare because there definitely is a place for them. Definitely. Um, There's a place for both. Absolutely. And I think it has to be the context around it. Yeah. Uh, how I've seen it work well is uh, when you're uh, you're using it as a... Um, what The bonus means something to someone um, outside of just like, it's more money and more money is good. And it's like, well, no, this money... Uh, for me, leads to this. Mm. Uh, and so when we're in, uh, you know, uh, annual review or pay uh, pay progression chats, it's less about, like, uh, what's the number, but it's more about, like, what, you know, where are you trying to go? And it's like, what's the progression here? What do you want more of uh, in terms of, uh, or what do you need uh, money-wise so that you can live the life that you want to live and what does that life look like in terms of a desire statement which becomes a much more interesting chat than like heckling over uh, a number mm. or like a grand here a grand there mm. it's not as valuable mm. um, I've also seen performance bonuses be super successful as well mm. uh, in terms of someone who's doing good work and then you're rewarding that good work um, and they continue to do it and do even better work um, so I think it's it's definitely an interesting balance there, mm. Andrew. I I agree. I I definitely think if if money is the motivation, like the sole motivation, that is a uh, that is a finite game, and that is a very lose lose situation because you will always be chasing more. There'll always be a, another number, and there comes a, a general dissatisfaction over time. If, well, my you know I'm not getting what I want to get because rewards and bonuses work when people achieve them, and if they don't for a prolonged period of time, it's very demotivational for people, um, and. There's obviously consequences that, that kind of come from that. So, yeah, it needs to be introduced at the right time. It needs to be done with the right intentions. It needs to be um, achievable for people. It might be a stretch, but it needs to be achievable. And it needs to be tied to a goal that's not just, you know, $1,000 more mm. a month. That it's That $1,000 means that I can save that for a deposit for the house that I want to buy in DY, right? Mm. Tied to, like you said before, tied to more of a desire statement or a, or a like, personal goal. Mm. And I think he... Wh who's the author again? Daniel Pink. I think Pink says, in, instead of like, oh, you hit your KPI, here's a bonus. It's, he, he says, like, do it more longitudinally, random, Mm. Obviously not a result of randomness, but like random timing is, is mm. better. Mm. Um, yeah, it was a super interesting book. I, I, I've i recommended it to mm. several people already, so thanks for recommending that one. You you said something um, earlier on that I wrote down, actually. 
um, oh. about autonomy. Um, when you were describing the balance that you have with playing and your work, you said you have flexibility if you can perform. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that means for your ability to kind of manage your own workload, your own caseload, your own time? Mm. I think firstly, like, yeah, it, it makes me extremely motivated to give my above and beyond effort at, at longevity because I've got that trust. Um, but yeah, definitely had to earn it. And I think if I didn't, then it wouldn't mean as much. I wouldn't appreciate it as much. Um, so yeah, like when I started, I, I think I was only doing, I dropped back to sort of one session a week, main session at Giants, um, which for, for me was massive, right? Like I'm, I love my footy. I'm driven towards mastery of that as well. Um, but um, I, I sort of just, you know, saw the situation like I'm, I'm a new EP. I need to put in the work here, um, put more eggs in that basket before I can earn that extra session at Giants. Um, uh, the other thing is like when you're starting off at a location, you don't have a team to, to bounce, you know, availability off. So I just thought I'm going to go all in. Um, was doing longer hours just on my like just because I, I was motivated not because I was like pressured into it or anything I wasn't even pressured to like drop back giants either um but yeah once once I got more established um yeah I was able to have more flexibility and autonomy in the schedule and like you know it, it's one of those things like I have such like a an urge to reciprocate to to the team because of that that trust and autonomy um and yeah like it's just, i think it's just an awesome bonus of our, of our job but like i i don't think people should feel entitled coming to a workplace and thinking flexibility mm. good mm. part of ep it's mm. like all right i think you should earn that first yeah people yeah. definitely hear that when they hear private practice is like, what are the benefits of private practice over a hospital job? It's like, well, private practice, you have more flexibility over your hours and mm. when you see clients and that sort of thing. It's like, yes, but like you can't just, you know, choose to start at this time and finish at this time because you want to and then as a result not see any clients. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't work like that. It's like you have to get to a point where your clients want to see you at the times when you want to be there as well. Um, and when you are there, you are you know, performing efficiently and well. Um, so there is definitely some give and take there. It's not just like you are given flexibility. You have to kind of earn the flexibility. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. It's a hard job. It is hard early days I found to um, just do everything that I need to do in, in, you know, in a work week. Mm. But I, I could have gone home at, you know, when, you know, the clock sure. hit that hour, but it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to get better here. Um, like I, I, yeah, I put in extra work and like it, it's, it's definitely helped my development. I think, um, yeah, new grads could take it 
a leaf out of that book. Like you don't have to, you know, work long hours, but but I think it is a job where like what you put in, you you get out of it. I don't know if you absolutely, correct. yeah, yeah. Like you don't, yeah. And and totally agree. Obviously, like you know, I'm aware of like the the, the burnout, but like if if you're spending your time with mentors like that getting like meaningful advice and doing extra you know mentoring and and getting feedback and just bouncing like your experiences from sessions like i don't think that's work to me Mm. you know like i could do that receive and give that sort of advice on a friday on annual leave like it's it's, absolutely you know that's rewarding and fulfilling yeah um i totally feel you there like when I'm on leave uh, and I, I still want to talk to my team. Yeah. <laughs> I still want to do my one-on-ones with the team because I just want to see how they're going. I want to talk to them and hear how their week's going, hear how, uh, how you know, the particular client who I'm now invested in is going as well. Um, that doesn't feel like work. I almost feel like I am uh, you know, have to struggle to, to stay out of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a sign of a good culture when you, mm. you, your leaders have that affinity to mm. just helping people, I think. And then you're, like the people you're managing have an affinity to come to you for help and know that you can call, they can call you at any time. Mm. Yeah. Um, we had this conversation with a team member last week. This week. This week. <laughs> Fuck. Still this week. Okay. <laughs> um, you got a long weekend. Yeah, it's got good. a long weekend. Oh, <laughs> can't wait. Um, not because I don't like work. I love work. Uh, um, <laughs> well done. That Thank was, you. That was good save. Well good good save. save. Great. Cool. You've told me to lean back when I laugh. I'm getting a sore neck from the <laughs> 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 oh, no, 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 you, you could be forward. Just be forward the whole time. That's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, we had a conversation with a team member about progression and uh moving you know in inverted commas through the ranks faster and that sort of thing and going and the conversation was around well should i be putting in more work uh than what is expected of me uh and i think you answered it really well andrew here's a okay you don't have to say how you said it um but in general uh, when someone's talking about they want to progress their career faster mm. uh, and there is an expectation of, well, here's what you have to do in order to maintain almost. Mm. Uh, and that is kind of meet your role expectations and, and do, you, do your job, do your 38 hours, uh, see your clients at, at this utilization, provide good client experience mm. uh, and do your CPD and these sorts of things. Uh, after you kind of do that for a couple of years, that that doesn't necessarily lead to more career progression. That I think that leads to maintenance, and that's totally fine if that's what you want. Uh, but then the conversation became about, but what if you want to grow? What if you want to enter leadership? Uh, and then I think there was some different advice from you in terms of that. It's it's a, it's a difficult topic, right? Because. I have my own biases on this. So I, I'm trying to be as objective as I can be. In, you can say your own bias. That's all right. <laughs> um, 
everything that you said there is true. Like people, there is there is a clear for us anyway. Like there's a there's a clear framework that you can progress through to increase your salary, take more responsibility, get posi- like titles and positions and things like that. Um, will you get there faster if you do more outside of work? Probably. Mm. Right, because you will be exposed to more things, more professional development. If you have external mentors, you read right? books. You read books. I couldn't Fucking recommend it more. Get a book club. Mm. Like, <laughs> read Jamie's Italian Kitchen. Every it's challenge you've experienced Sorry. has been written down and and solved. Hundred percent. So, will you get there? Yes. Will you get there faster if you do more? Probably. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, should you do it? Well, that's up to you. That's up to you. It's more of a personal journey rather than something that you know mm. we're going to uh, encourage you through. Mm. It's up to you whether you take it. And so this is the difficult, where, where that becomes very real is like, let's say you have two people who started at the same time who have got similar caseloads, like they've built their similar caseloads all the way up. They're three years out now, but one has done five to 10 hours more every week on personal development, on professional development, on clinical development, they are in a more advanced stage in their career. Who's going to get tapped on the shoulder for more responsibility? Like, it's going to be that person. It's not a hard decision in the end, is it? No. Mm. And again, that, that, it's difficult because that does counteract what I said before, but I think it's still true. Like, and mm. I, I don't think that is just EP specific. No, I think that is across every industry and every profession where if you want your career to progress faster, you do more work. Mm. You should get rewarded for it mm. because to the point before, like burnout can definitely come. One of those factors of burnout is the feeling like you are putting in more than you are getting back. And so that that should be acknowledged and rewarded and um and discussed and if it's not okay well then you know Mm. see what other options are out there burnout's an interesting point there as well because if your your plan is well i'll work really really hard and i'll do all this extra work um and and risk burnout so i can get this promotion so that you can what take less responsibility mm. it's like no you probably your your promotion probably involves more responsibility um and continuing to work hard so how does that result in you working less then so then in order to uh do that you have to be intrinsically motivated to want to do it um, and it has to be something that actually gives you energy and you you are passionate about otherwise you're, you're probably going to grind yourself down. Mm. Mm. Yeah, the, the context is so important for that, that burnout extra work um, piece, isn't it? Mm. It's like, for me, like you, if you saw my week on paper, you'd be like, mate, you're, you're going to burn out. Mm. Mm. But I guess like when, it, when it's a workplace with, yeah, like you, you've got a lot of, you know, support, um, and, and just like avenues for growth, um, I think on top of good routines, you're less likely to burn out. Um, 
like you, you don't burn out from a routine I don't think mm. you know like someone out there is running like 150k's a week yeah for yeah, example right. like it's their routine mm. they are very protected from burnout because they do it consistently mm. um, I'm protected from my routine because I've done it for years mm. um, the, the other component is like yeah what are the expectations what's the carrot is it a carrot if it's a carrot you stick in your carrot reward system like yeah you're probably going to get to a point where you're very disillusioned because you've put in all this work and you're still on the same salary same role mm. which you didn't want to be in after 12 weeks or mm. six months mm. um it just depends doesn't it yeah mm. absolutely it can't be the same for everyone mm. it can't be like if i if you oh well maybe not if i do your role i wouldn't last a day um if you, if, well, if you, well, yeah, I mean, if you came back to trying to do my schedule at staying up to the hours that I stay up and talking to the amount of clients that I talk to, um, that would be fucking hard. Really hard. Really hard. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't suit you. No. Um, and <laughs> it's, it's true. It's, yeah. it's, I am one of those people that find mm. it difficult to, you know, shift my attention very quickly. Mm. Um, I found that difficult when I was working with clients and, mm. and to see some of the schedules of, mm. of, of, of you know, our, our team now, like, mm. fuck, mm. that's hard. Yeah. I get it. I get why people are tired. Yeah. And if I had um, to, you know, not even do anything that you do, but it just sit in front of a screen for more than two hours at a time, I'd, my brain melts. <laughs> I, I realize that I do that thing where when I'm driving home where I just kind of like uh, come to and I go, what time is it? <laughs> Have I done anything? Nope. <laughs> Haven't done anything. <laughs> it's like, fuck, that's not good. Um, it's just, I'm just not suited to, to talking to my laptop for a long period of time. It's just not effective for me. Um, so you've got to know that like if you're working towards a, a progression and the tasks involved in that progression are going to uh, involve you doing more things that you don't like to do perhaps or more responsibility in tasks that you're uh, really drain you Whew. have a think about that mm. I think the other thing like any business is pretty dynamic in, t in terms of like the roles and responsibilities Let's talk to your employer if you're, if you're doing stuff that you're really getting the scaries from on a on a Sunday night. Other than like if that is a client, then mm. that's different. But like if it's the nature of a task, like maybe you can swap that to a different responsibility that suits your mm. skill set and interests and personality. Mm. Yeah. Gonna drop a book book name here. Uh let's go. If I can remember it. Yeah, yeah, the 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 genius one. Uh uh the, the uh what's it called? It's it's by the person who wrote the ideal team player, Patrick Lencioni. Yep. Okay. Yes. But it's about the the six geniuses, uh, the six types of working genius. Six I types think of working that genius. That is the actual name of the book. Yeah. Perfect. Great. Yeah. Um, in relation to that, it falls exactly into that where the idea is that you've got these six kind of different archetypes of people who enjoy doing different roles, and everyone's generally got two geniuses things that give them energy and that they could do all day and feel great when they get home uh then people have two things that drain the shit out of them uh types of roles that drain the shit out of them 
Uh, that's definitely not the words that Patrick <laughs> used in the book. That's, if I wrote the book, I'd use those ones. Um, and if they had to do those, they just dread coming to work. They have those like Monday blues kind of things. Every Sunday, they're dreading going to work on a Monday. Uh, and then everyone has kind of two competencies in the middle there, generally, um, that they can do, they can keep up with, um, but they wouldn't love to do that every day of the week kind of thing. And sometimes it's interesting when you talk about progression in, in roles that it's like, okay, so maybe what you're doing right now is one of your geniuses that you are incredibly good at talking to team or talking to clients and motivating your team to, to do tasks and helping finish them do the job um, and being a great communicator. But, you know, if I talked about, oh, but I want that next carrot, that next carrot of like business management, um, but that would be going to something that would drain the shit out of me. That would require me to spend more time doing something that I'm not probably not good at or definitely not good at um, and would require me spending more time in front of a computer which is not something that I'm very good at doing. Um, so why would I move into a role, even though that is technically a progression in inverted commas, it's not a good one. I'd probably become less efficient at my job. I think that's something that people don't always think about when they think about uh, role progression or role changes is I'm going to progress because I'm doing so well at what I'm doing right now does that mean I'm going to progress into something that I'm not necessarily great at and don't enjoy? So it becomes a conversation with, uh, uh, you know, the Andrew of your job. Uh, um, hey, I think I'm really good at this. How can I continue to progress, but while still doing the things that I am really good at? That's probably a better conversation than how can you find a role for me doing something that I'm not good at? And pay me more for it. <laughs> yeah. And look, I, you know, we, we've sat here and talked about pathways and progressions and things like that and might be part of the problem. Um, because the, the perception is that, you know, in order to take the next step in your career, you need to manage people or, or look after a team or mentor or whatever that looks like. But Great. there are some people who are not good at that. And that's okay. Do what you're good at. Do more of what you're good at. Um, because what would be worse is taking a role that you are not personally suited for, that creates more stress for you, that keeps you up late at night thinking about the difficult conversation you've got to have the next day with someone who is struggling in, in their role. Um, people see the, the shininess of the, oh, this person is a senior and this person is this and they have this. Um, but they don't see what sits behind that. They don't see that part of those roles are managing other humans, mm. and that is turbulent sometimes, mm. uh, and it is very stressful mm. sometimes. Do you hate giving feedback to other humans? Yes. Well, yeah. guess what? <laughs> guess what? That's your job. You're not going to enjoy <laughs> yeah. leadership then. Mm. Um, whereas the people that... Uh, you know, very forthcoming in giving their opinion. They're happy to, you know, if they see something that they'll point it out and they'll say, you know, I think this can be improved and this is my suggestion for what that looks like. Like, they're the people that kind of get, are more suited to those sort of roles. Um, and that's not shit canning 
half the audience. Like that is just a reality of playing to your strengths. And if one of your strengths is, uh, I am amazing in providing great client experience, there is progression in that. You know, you can become like the best practitioner in that area um, and be the person that everyone refers to when someone needs uh, a professional in that area. Awesome. Incredibly valuable. And then like you were talking about before, Ryan, like that breeds flexibility. Because if you have got those people that will only want to come and see you, then you have the ability to say, great, well, I work it between eight and four on Monday to Thursday. Come and see me. And they will make that time because they have been told Ryan is the guy and he will fix all of the things that I have. Call the panacea. <laughs> <laughs> now, I... I think that's a great point. Um, I, don't, I don't think everyone should feel a sense of like urgency to progress vertically. Like staying at, at that, whatever your role is and, and mastering that's gonna take decades. So um, I think that's just super admirable. Um, I will say that I think from my experience, um, definitely still questioning this idea I had recently. I feel like I could trust most of the EPs I know, a lot of them, at least with management because that's their job like they're, they're managing people um, I've found that managing EPs is easier than than clients in you know maybe chronic pain or or mental health like it I think that the skill set that we have um, once you once you dial that in management isn't as big a step as people think um, yeah what do you think about that do you think that in your individual experience, some of that may have come from outside of your EP? Uh, perhaps, but I'm also talking about, yeah, EPs that I know. Like, I, I think I would trust them with, with managing a team of EPs um, if they've, you know, become competent at being an EP with a caseload. Totally. Would you agree? The, to a degree. Yeah. I... I think that in your situation, um, there is a huge benefit to having captained and looked after a team of athletes uh, as well. Because, you know, there's no bullshit like in sport as a captain. There's, there's, you know, no time to, hey, let's sit down and have a quiet chat in the corner and, and we'll provide each other with some feedback. It's like, oh, you need to know this now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we need we need you to understand this now um, and so you can help the team and we can win this game uh, I think that's difficult for people a lot of people uh, struggle with feedback especially with giving feedback appropriately uh, and I think that co- oh fuck another book reference damn it number seven um, number seven <laughs> radical, some rad- so with radical candor um, a lot of it comes back to that. Have you come across Radical Candor before? I haven't. Oh, add it to your list, man. It's on You'd there. love it. Yeah, yeah it's okay. on Put there as of now. Yeah. Um, and it's about giving feedback and there's four quadrants of giving feedback and it's on a, uh, an X and Y axis of caring personally and challenging directly. So the, the most important quadrant is Radical Candor, which is caring personally while challenging directly or challenging directly while caring personally. Uh, which is difficult to do and it requires building a relationship 
of caring and trust beforehand before you give someone uh, direct feedback. Uh, but if you have that relationship, it's much easier to give feedback directly without beating around the bush and giving like a, a feedback sandwich kind of thing of like, you're really good at this. You need to work on this, but you're really good at this. And it's like, well, the point was that I need to get across was that you need to work on this. But because I, you know, you're not sure that I actually uh, am on the same team as you, uh, I need to give you this feedback sandwich. Whereas in a team where everyone knows that everyone cares personally about each other, it's much easier to give direct feedback. So then you have these other quadrants of like, if you don't care personally, but you give direct feedback, you sound like a dickhead. Mm. Um, you don't want to do that. Uh, in the other area, if you uh, care personally, but don't challenge directly, that's like, oh, fuck. I love Ryan too much to tell him that he um, has shit in his teeth right now or he's just peed his pants, um, you know? And uh, But I won't tell him because it's it's uh, I, I care about him too personally to give him that direct feedback. That's also not good. And then the last one is that like, I don't care about you and I'm not going to challenge you because I think it's funny, that kind of thing. So it's just like rude, basically. Mm. It's like, oh, we'll talk behind his back kind of thing. So you have these four quadrants there of giving feedback and I think, well, actually, I know because we've done this in multiple settings as a team in practicing giving feedback uh, in a radically candid way um, that people in healthcare especially struggle with it because everyone is so caring. Everyone is so caring um, that everyone really struggles to tell people sometimes what they really need to know. It's uh, so a not always a character trait that people have naturally mm. coming to healthcare. Uh, the challenging directly part of it. Mo everyone cares um, because that's why they're in healthcare. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people have to learn the skill of uh, approaching a situation directly, which is really really interesting. And we've we've trialed it over well since I started. Mm. I made that sound like it's been a long time. This is not that You're old. so old. I'm so old. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Pretty EP, you know. I should have seen this place in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> that such a, it's a, that's a great, mm. great example. I, um, yeah, I, I do like to separate, like, management and leadership. Um, management, obviously, I think is, like, more being on top of your admin and your tasks and responsibilities and, you know, counting stuff that's fair yeah yep. yep and then um leadership is more how do i add value to this group mm. Mm. um steer the ship when needed um and generate just give that like come with me feeling mm. i think um way more to it than that i think but i think that gets the point across i think that ep's good at the management side mm, mm. like you, you just have to be organized and you, yeah you got you, you things, just yeah. yeah you got your like checklists and routines and mm. stuff that you know keep you above water admin wise and mm. um, task wise and then yeah le leadership i think you can be like a c-grade leader just by being good at your at your role as an ep mm. um and and similar to before like just having that humility to be like, I don't have all the answers. Here's who to go to. Go to this source. Like, I think that's enough leadership 
for a manager, like one above an EP to to get away with and feel good about themselves. Mm, mm. Um, what do you think, Andrew? Mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I I do like the way you separate leadership and management. I yeah. think that is that is that uh, a key distinction. Um, and I think, yeah, like if if you can identify what makes you like a, a competent and confident EP and want to help other people distill those values, I think that's a that's a great place for management. Mm. Um, because like instinctively people want to, right? They will look at you and go, he's got his shit together. You know, he's organized, he's like, he, he gets everything done during the day. I wanna learn what he's done. And I think that's a great place to teach the processes, teach um, effective, time management um meeting the expectations of your role um and then that that step laterally into leadership um leadership has got different components to it it's it's not like you know standing on the mountain with the flag and and like follow me into battle it's it's strategic thinking. It's looking at the finances and making a, like good decisions based off the finances. Thinking about, you know, which programs or which which things we're going to align ourselves with. It's thinking about how we're going to grow into the future and what our workforce needs and how we're going to recruit. Success. Like, there's a lot more in leadership. Not more different. It's different. Yeah. And so I, I agree. I think uh, from a management or from a seniority perspective, if you are very good, organized, get good results from your client's EP, then that is something that you can model and that is mm. something that you can teach to other people. Um, whereas leadership requires a different skill set and um, that is something that I think perhaps that's, that's the distinction that people are trying to rush leadership and it takes time to build the the optics that you need to be able to make informed decisions and, and take on different kind of responsibilities. So mm. I like the way that you separated. And I think two. like, I like to keep it simple as well. Not that I'm a guru on leadership at all. Like it's got no idea at all, but um, have been thinking a lot about it. I think like for me, I'll rate myself a B grade leader if I'm making them better than I was at their stage. And then... Mm. A grade is like you're making a good leader or like a, a pretty high, like high level EP. Whatever their expectations and goals are, you know, you've got them very happy um, and on a really good path and trajectory. Like that, that's your A level and you're contributing to like the whole business ecosystem somehow. Like, and it's not just performance, it's culture as well. Like, yeah. I guess mm. if you can help lead people to be better than yourself, that's that's probably the most valuable thing. And and better than they think they could be. Yes. Mm. Like you have a you have a vision for those people that is bigger than what they think is possible for them. Mm. I think that is that's a great leadership. And that's not easy. No. Yeah. I don't know where you where you start in terms of 
uh, training to do that either. Books. Books. Hey. Books hey. and mentors. If you mentors. Just do those two. Mentors. Books you, and mentors. You get your ideas from your books and you apply them to people with experience and connecting those dots, you just, it's euphoric. <laughs> it is a good feeling. There's no willpower required once you have a few experiences like that. That makes a lot of sense. Look, I, I think ending on books and mentors is probably a good place to, 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 to lead towards wrapping this up. Um, uh, look, this is a two-parter. Just letting everyone know there that, that this is only our second two-parter. So well done, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been the wine. Well, he only well we've got the second <laughs> one ready. Two for should 17. We, should we crack it open? No, we'll, we'll go for a three. Or a well, Someone fuck. put that tilted slightly up to yeah. horizontal. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure what would happen if we cracked open the Merlot now. Um, uh, yeah, part three be... and four would be <laughs> would be a different beast. Might be released under a different name. <laughs> um, Ryan, how's the wine, mate? Look, it, it's good. I... Um, it's just evidence that price tag doesn't determine quality and um, can't wait for the Merlot <laughs> in round two. For round two. We'll save the Merlot for round two. We'll age it maybe a month or two. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll come back. I'll put a cork in it as well and then, and then we'll uncork it on the pod. That would be good. And that'll nice be a new noise. white walls. Just yes, whoop. that's it. Spraying. That's it. Uh, Andrew, you're a big wine drinker. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Archie. Yeah. No, sorry. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Andrew, um, I, I know wine helped you get through COVID. <laughs> uh, how does this wine... I would, I would go to sleep. Would, would this one help you get through... Wine, wine came out of a sack in COVID. Like, yeah. this, is, this is out of the bottle. <laughs> right, let's... COVID was a tricky time for all. There was, there was price concerns and the, the $8.99, two litre sack. Oh, goon. <laughs> You're just doing goon showers at home on a Tuesday. Not a Tuesday. <laughs> Morning. <laughs> oh, dear. How, how? It was good. The was wine good. was good. The wine was good. I agree. We the should wine be again. I, yeah. Mate, okay, well, this is proof. It only takes one bottle. <laughs> it's fucking cheaper than craft beer, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Nine bucks between three. There you go. Well done. Well, Ryan, thanks for coming on, man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, people here for two parts on this one. So this is the end of part two, which is great. Uh, anything you want to say to, to wrap us up, mate, and I'll press stop on record once you finish speaking. Oh, I guess just, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, obviously did placement with you guys in in 2020. And uh, yeah, you're like awesome business. Um, particularly remember I was at Warrywood's location mm. and I remember like Andrew taking the time to invite me and my, one of my best mates, Jasper, over for a, a chat when I was... We were both sort of struggling with, um, I guess, like the price element um, of, of EP and, and private practice and yeah just like respect for taking the time in a busy schedule for talking us through something like that um, and yeah congrats again on getting clinic of the year ESSA clinic of the year um, I was not surprised at all to see that so yeah 
Thanks. Thank you. Uh, likewise, man, congrats on the start of your career. It sounded amazing what you're doing at Longevity is. Mm. Sounds incredible. And just by the way you've spoken on here, fuck. Um, <laughs> if, if we had every second year EP um, mm. talking like you and, and invested in their career like you are, we'll be, we'll be running the world <laughs> in a couple of years. Oh, thank right. you. Looking forward to round two. Oh, round two's coming. Yeah, the Merlot's coming. Look out. See you guys. <laughs>